0: Even in that, when I talk to you or I prepare a sermon, I'm always reminded that this is Christ first. This is the gospel first. This is the message of God first. Steve makes mistakes, he mispronunciates words all the time. I'm like notorious for that. But yet, here God is going, Hey, I want you to do this for me. But don't worry about your weaknesses. Because I'm going to be glorified. And so today's message is called, The King is Rest. The King is Rest. Christ is Rest. And so before we start today, I kind of want to remind you of the context of all of what Rob's been preaching on. I want to take a moment to talk about the parable of the sower, and we talked about how the There's three different kinds of soils of your heart. It's a soil of the heart. And it's the condition of that soil that allows that seed to grow, the gospel seed. Then Rob talked about how as it grows, we don't hide the light, right? The lamps stand under the bushel, no, right? We, We hear that, but it's natural. Understand God's work is natural. And it's going to shine forth whether you want it to or not. God doesn't need you. But he calls you. And the last thing is, is we bear fruit because the fruit comes natural. It comes from the Lord. It doesn't come from us. So, I'm going to be preaching on the mustard seed and what you typically hear People preach on the mustard seed. They preach from Matthew 17, 20. It's very individualistic. It's very focused on faith as a mustard seed, right? We've heard it all. Faith as a mustard seed. This in Mark is not talking about your faith. Mark is going to be talking about Christ and his kingdom being the mustard seed. So that should put you at ease and at rest. You don't have to have faith because Christ is faithful. Christ is faithful. Let us stand as I read God's word today in honor of His word. I'm going to read from Mark 4:30 30 through 34. And He said, With what can I compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain, a mustard seed, which, when sown on the ground, is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it's sown, it grows up and becomes the largest, larger than all the garden plants, and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in the shade. In its shade, with many such parables, he spoke the word to them. As they were able to hear it, he did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. You may be seated. Thanks be to God for his word. Let us pray real quick. Dear Lord, I just want you to speak through your word today through me. Remove me from you. Be glorified in your word today. Give me the words to speak. And give us hearts and ears to hear your word and to seek you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, we live in a world and a country that, says that we can do everything if we can plan it, if we can do it right. But this seed is the transforming of hearts. This is the kingdom of God that we're talking about. See, I'm reminded of Peter. Peter used to say all the right things when Jesus stood right next to him. Well, your Lord said all the right things And then, when it came down to it, Peter denied Christ three times. But you know what? Again, I'm turning this to God is faithful. Who saved Peter? Not Peter. Who was faithful to Peter? Jesus on the cross was faithful to Peter. Peter was saved. By Christ, not by his faith, but by Christ and God's faithfulness to him. That's hard to hear. That's hard for me to hear because I want to do a lot of things. See, the world keeps telling us That this mustard seed was insignificant. Church, do not listen to that. You are the branches of the biggest and greatest tree in the garden. Your faith. Your salvation, your hope is in the greatest tree in the garden. See, when we look at this, it says, What can I compare the kingdom of God to a grain, a mustard seed sown in the ground, the smallest, sown in the ground, the smallest seed of the earth? Christ is talking about his kingdom, and he is buried in the ground. And everybody, well, typically most people know that a seed dies and then is raised. See, Christ died, and his kingdom, not just raised, it explodes from the earth. You are a branch to the greatest tree in the garden. Live In that, my first point, this leads us to the first point. The king is life. Christ, the king is life. Live into it. I'm going to take us all the way back to Genesis. Genesis 2-9. And out of the ground the Lord made to spring up every tree that is planted to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. See, Christ is the tree of life. Christ is the tree of life. Now, there are are some commentaries where I read where it says, hey, the birds, they're making loud noises. It's a warning. But I'm going to tell you from Ezekiel 17, 20 through 24, that's the parallel that I'm getting for this. Thus says the Lord God, I myself will take a a sprig from the lofty top of the cedar and I will set it out. I will break off from the topmost of its twig a tender one. And I myself will plant it on, high, on a high and lofty mountain. I want to stop for a second. Who's planting it? Are you? Who's planting it? With our God plants it. On the mountain high of Israel ah, will I plant it that it may bear branches to produce fruit and become a noble cedar? talking about us bearing fruit in the branches. And under it dwells every living, every kind of bird in the shade of its branches. Birds of all sorts will nest. See, you're part of the greatest tree in the garden. Church, you are part of the greatest tree In the garden, Jesus is the seed, and through his death and resurrection, the tree of life is resurrected. The kingdom of God is established and calls people to that everlasting life. So, how do we do this? How do we give, get life from the tree? We are rooting ourselves in Christ. First, I mean, John fifteen four through 5, Abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. In order to have life, we must be rooted in Christ. Christ is life. Christ alone produces the fruit. He will plant. It's this nature where we don't know. We can plant as many seeds as we want. and We don't know. We've talked about that. But I'm telling you right now, your God says, I will complete a good work. He's promised fruit because he's doing the work, not you. Our faith is in the gospel of Christ. It's in the word of God. Our faith is not in the world, or in our ability to create things, uh, one of the, I read a lot, and so I read this quote from Carl Jung. He's a philosopher, and uh, Jordan B. Peterson likes him, so I read him a little bit. But he had this quote, and I was amazed that somebody that might not have known the Lord could say this. His quote says, no tree can grow to heaven unless its roots reach down into hell. Stop building, stop trying to grow your roots. Christ has already done it for you. Your roots will never make it. Christ's roots have already gone deep enough. Christ has already done the work. That's why today my message was called The King is Rest because we get too busy thinking that we're going to grow roots deep enough. We are his branches. We graph ourselves into the vine, into the life-giving vine of Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you an analogy because a lot of times, and I do this more than anybody, so don't think that I'm not pointing the finger at myself. I try to build a lot of things. And I've told people my story here. But I built things, and I said, oh, I built it on the Lord. I built it on his firm foundation. But the storm still came. Oh, yeah, there is a bird here. (laughs) Hallelujah for a bird, Ryan. But I'm going to tell you this story where I built everything on the foundation. But the storm came, and the only thing I had left was that cornerstone, which is Christ. In Scripture, the storm came and I heard it. I heard the things that I built in my name. I heard the things that I built in my life being torn apart. And I closed my eyes and held on with all my might. See, I'm going to tell you, you're going to build a lot of things in your name. You're going to say, I built it on Christ in Matthew Uh, In Matthew 7, 21 through 23, people literally say, I prophesied in your name, Lord. I did wonderful works in your name. We can do that all day. We can build all day in our own name. And Christ will turn around and say, I never knew you. I'm going to tell you right now, when the storm comes and you're closing your eyes, your God is this good. As I hear, and I just want you to hear, the glass breaking, your eyes are closed. Everything that you built, you hear the wood snapping off. But you just cling to Christ. You cling to the gospel. When you open your eyes, because the storm is gone, there's a new house. It's not the house you built. You'll stand up and cry and say, Glory, glory, glory. Holy, holy, holy to the Lord God Almighty because He's going to build a house for you. Stop building your house and just cling to the vine, to the tree of life, because that's all you have. To produce fruit, he is all you have. this morning, my wife said we were in community, our little community group Sunday morning, and I tried not to say anything, but she said something really important. Sometimes we think we we finally get it and we 're going good, and there's no fires. The funny thing is, is when God starts setting those fires, going, wait, I need you to glorify me. But when you know Christ, and you turn to his presence, when you turn to him, that's glorifying him. This leads to our final point of, uh, I mean, point two. The king is glorified in our rest in 32. Because it says here, there's birds of all kinds that nest in the shade of the tree. God is glorified in you resting in him. I can't help but think of the year of jubilee. In Leviticus, I've been reading a little bit of scripture today, but we need to. It's better than my words. But in Leviticus, it talks about the year of Jubilee. In verses 25, 11 through 12, God says, hey, 15th year, 16th year, I need you to rest. That year, you don't have to worry about producing anything because I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to be glorified in you. I'm going to be glorified by providing for you. I can't help but remember also that he is glorified in rest because he gave us the day of rest, the Sabbath. And Christ said, Hey, the Sabbath wasn't made for God, it was made for you to glorify Him, to give you rest. See, the tree brings rest here. The king is glorified in you resting in him. Stop stressing about some number or some ministry or this or that. How am I going to take care of this? How am I going to pay for that? How am I going to do this? Stop worrying about it. Stop worrying about it and rest and glorify God in your rest. Daniel talks about the tree as well, and it again resembles what we read in Mark 4. Daniel 4, 20-22, the tree you saw which grew and became strong so that the top reached to the heavens. And it is visible to the ends of the whole earth, whose leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant, and in which... Food for all, under which the beasts of the field found shade, and in whose branches the birds of heaven lived. It is you, O king. It is you, Christ, who have grown and become strong. Christ is the tree. We are his branches. Are we living that out? Are we living this out and glorifying God, providing rest? Or do people when they see the church not see rest? Do they see fruit that the Lord has provided? Is the church glorifying God in its branches? So are we the church resting in Christ enough to where We reflect our rest to a world that is full of stress, anxiety, desperation. They are working themselves to death. Are we the tree that provides shade? Rest that glorifies God. You don't have to worry about tomorrow. Christ will take care of you. Again, we ask, how do we do this? How do we know? How do we grow closer to God? How do we do that? I think the disciples asked the same questions in 33 and 34 because he spoke in parables Number one, he spoke in parables because parables are kind of stories, they're children's stories that everyone can understand. Number two, though, understand this. He did not speak to them without parables, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. God's going to explain everything to you. That's why he sent the Holy Spirit. Do I know everything right now? No, Steve's completely clueless. I promise you, I'm com- I am clueless, but I know who isn't. And that's why I'm telling you today that we graft ourselves into the vine. And we hold on with all our might because he is faithful not Steve, not Pastor Rob. And it looks like the church hasn't been very faithful lately either. But we do have a God that is faithful. Even when man fails, I fail, Pastor Rob fails, Steve fails a lot. You can ask my wife anytime. She'll let you know. But I'm going to tell you there's coming a day And it speaks about this in Revelations 19.16 on his robes and on his thigh he has the name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. There's coming a day we sing about it. The king will return. This leads us to point three. The king is rest in the king. Rest in your king. Are we resting in our king today? Are we resting in our king today? I uh, I will say that I'm not good at resting in the king. Because his promises today is the same as it would be if I'm in heaven. And a few, maybe a few months ago, there was a question... In, in Rob's responses in the in the bulletin, and I I said, you know, when I get to heaven, I'm the first thing I'm gonna do is just rest in His arms. That's all I want. I'm working too hard. If that's all I'm hoping for, because I can rest in His arms today. I'm telling you, if you are not finding rest, you can rest in His arms today. Rest in your king. Rest in his words of promise that he's doing the work. He is faithful. There's still a part of me that can't help but want to hold on. I'm going to hold on with all my might and squeeze him and take him. But I'm telling you that's for us Today. you today. That's why he says he will privately with his own disciples explain everything. Last week God is going to complete his good work in you. I think how we do that sometimes, and I, I use this kind of story to kind of point us to this. Is I remember my mom, and I, she used to need bread. She'd make us homemade bread. And uh, then I would go to school and I'd sell the sandwiches for five bucks and eat the school lunch. Now I regret it every day. It's crazy, isn't it? What we do as children, it is absolutely crazy. And I do this every day with God, but it's the same thing. God's asking me to knead bread, and I'm kneading it, and I go, wait a second. Don't I need to add some more flour to it, splash a little flour? And he's like, no, leave the, leave the flour there. I go, well, don't I need to turn on the oven and warm it up? No, don't, don't. Just knead bread with me. I go, well, but don't we need to get the butter ready? I need to do this. I need to, well, eventually we're going to have to have the yeast rise. And we're going to have to do this. I keep telling him all the things. He already knows what's going on. But I keep telling him of all the things that I see in my peripheral vision. And he is just wanting to spend time with me while I need the bread. And we talk. See, kneading the bread sometimes is spending every day in God's word. Just talking with your Lord and praying with your Lord. Resting in your king. Not worried about all the things that we get lost in in our peripheral. Lord, the kids are going crazy. They're starting to fight. We've all been there. Like, we got work to do and the kids are starting to fight. But no, he just wants me to knee the bread with him. He says, I'll take care of that. And it's the same thing when you woke up and you were surrounded by the most beautiful mansion ever that he built. It's the same thing. You look down, and before you know it, it's bread. It's the bread of life. You go, So when you get to heaven, you really, I don't think many of us will be surprised. I will be surprised because most of the time, I have no idea what he's doing. But you will stand before him and say, when, Lord? When were you hungry? When were you thirsty? You just had me needing bread. Oh, you hung out with me. And when you hung out with the king and he does the work, don't be surprised by the fruit he produces. I'm not telling you not to do anything. I'm telling you to graft yourself into the rest of the king. I'm telling you to spend time with him. Love him so much and rest in him so much and spend time with him. And then you'll find yourself on the mission field. You didn't seek the mission field, you were just following your Jesus. You didn't seek preaching, Steve, you're just following Jesus. And that's what I ask you to do. There's a great tree. Have you grafted yourself so tight to that vine? That the birds come singing, saying, I want to rest in those branches. Not because I'm the branch, but because Christ is the vine. We are not meant to do this alone, and Christ clearly says here at the end, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. He's not having you do it alone. Are you grafted in the rest of the king? Are you grafted in? Because it's rest. His roots are deep enough. I know in the other parables it talks about that, but that's your heart and that seed getting in. And the Holy Spirit ripping your heart apart, circumcising all the bad stuff out. Trust Christ and his gospel graft yourself into the gospel be rooted deep into the gospel and watch what he does glorifying him in resting glorifying him as he provides you life rest in the king There's a song I'm going to read the lyrics to for you. It's a song that Rob kind of said, hey, listen to this song. It's called The Gospel is Rest, but I want you to listen to the words. I'm not singing it to you. My wife would probably like me to sing it to you, but I'm not. Lord, I've got the world upon my shoulders. But you've been saying, Child, put it down. I've prayed and I've prayed that you would take my burden. But you just keep saying, Child, put it down. Maybe I'm addicted to the worry. Maybe I'm a slave to to holding on. Help me put it down. Help me put it down. I've heard you said the gospel is rest. Oh, how I need it. Say it again till I believe it. Oh, how I need it. Oh, how I need it. Lord, you Took the world upon your shoulders. Now all I have to do. Is put it down. I'm living. Like a some weary beast of burden. And you keep saying child. Put it down. Well maybe. I've been trying to be the hero. Fighting wars that you've already won. Help me put it down. Help me put it down. Oh, how I need it. The peace that passes understanding. Oh, how I need it. That peace that passes understanding. Oh, how I need it. Many of you are struggling With daily life. Some of you have never known the peace. I'm going to tell you right now, it's available for you. Graft yourself in. Christian and the musicians are going to come up, but before they do this, I'm going to just say one. Last thing as they come up. The altars here, when I was a kid, the altar wasn't a place where it was about you just going up and praying, oh, there's the sinners going up there. The altar was to allow me to graft myself closer to the king. Because, oh, how I need rest. Oh, how I need rest. I need your gospel to provide me rest. So I come to the altar and I cry out. I cry out. So if you need rest today, the altar is for you. If you need rest today, the altar is for you. There will be pastors up here ready to pray with you. But that's secondary to coming down and grafting yourself to the king of rest. Let us rest in our king.